you know, I appreciate it. You know, I'm grateful uh, that you know the fans are voting me to be in the uh, All Star game, and the whole world is watching the All Star game. It speaks to you know how how incredible a player he is, how much excitement he creates for fans and. People want to follow him and watch him and, I guess, vote for him in this case. And, you know, it's just well-deserved. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. Go! Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. This is a big deal. This is a huge deal. Do not let anyone tell you otherwise. Giannis Antetokounmpo not only being an all-star this year, which is, let's be honest, and we'll talk about this as the show goes on, it's not a common occurrence to have a player on the Milwaukee Bucks make the All-Star game. They have not had a lot of them in their history. So Giannis not only becoming an All-Star and voting an All-Star, but an All-Star captain. And I'll get into the details of exactly how that shakes down. It's a big deal, and I want to talk about it here to start the Wisco Sports Show today. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hopping aboard, tuning in. I hope you're having a good evening. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. You want to jump in and talk about anything that we're covering today. Please, you are more than welcome. I'd love to have a conversation. Giannis, last night, I guess it was uh, not super late last night, and, and we all kind of assumed we were following the voting numbers. I don't know if this was a surprise, but now it's it's locked in. It's in ink. It's, it's not a speculation or a projection. Giannis Antetokounmpo is one of only two players in the entire NBA to be an all-star captain. So not just an all-star, but an all-star captain. And if you are unfamiliar with the way that the NBA is doing the all-star game, because it's changing constantly, uh, not so much with the MLB, but certainly with the Pro Bowl and with the NBA all-star game, the the format has changed. It is no longer AFC, NFC, or I guess now they have transitioned back to that, I believe. Uh, But now the NBA has gone away from East-West, and it has gone to two captains. Uh, The highest vote-getter in each conference is a captain, and then they select their teams. So it's not East versus West, but it's player v. player after they select their teams. And it is, this is a big deal. And I don't want to, I don't want to underplay the significance of being an all-star. Certainly not uh, the significance of being an all-star captain in the history of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm, I'm 20 years old, just to give you an idea. They, they haven't exactly had many. I remember the conversation last year when Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, that being 2016 to 2017, uh, was an all-star for the first time. The conversation was it had been since 2003, 2004, since the Bucks had had an all-star, and that was Michael Redd. Before that, it was Ray Allen in 2000, uh, 2001, 2002, that, that era. And then you got, you got guys like Vin Baker, Terry Cummings in the late 80s, Sidney Moncrief in the late 80s. Of course, Marcus Johnson in the, uh, the late 70s, the early 80s uh, was throughout. And then you got guys like Brian Winters. You had multiple players. John McLaughlin in the late 60s, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's not, the NBA is not formatted, should I say, the the same way that the NFL is. It seems every year in the Pro Bowl, uh, and and weight the Pro Bowl with whatever significance you wish, it seems most teams are getting a player in the Pro Bowl. I mean, this year, I mean, heck, and this is no slight on Mitch Trubisky, but anytime you have Mitch Trubisky in the Pro Bowl as a quarterback, it shows you a little bit of something. Like, just about every team gets a player in the Pro Bowl. And I'm not saying that Mitch Trubisky's not deserving, but... I think they do a very good job of including many different players from many positions from all sorts of teams. It's not a given in the landscape of today's NBA, especially the mobility that players are now enjoying uh, and a lot of these bigger stars just 
straight up choosing and saying, yeah, I want to go play for the Lakers. I want to go play for the Clippers. I want to be in Los Angeles, right? I want to be in Houston. The parody of superstars in the NBA is not anywhere near what it is in leagues like the NFL. You have a lot of stars combining on teams and, and mostly they're not in Milwaukee. They're not in Charlotte, right? They're not in Memphis, and the significance for, for Milwaukee to have Giannis, who uh, this will be not his first all-star selection, his first time as a captain, it's a big deal. And it's pretty cool. The voting breakdown was really impressive. If you actually dig into the details of it, it's, it's fascinating because they don't just count the fan voting, although that's a big portion. They don't just count uh, players because players vote on this as well. And then so does the media. So there's three sources of voting. Fans get to vote. Players get to vote, and the media gets to vote, and then they combine those ranks for a composite score, and that's how they shake out who gets to start, right? And, and I'll explain this. Uh, so you, so your all-star starters, and this includes captains, uh, for the Western Conference are Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Paul George, James Harden, and LeBron James, who's the captain. And then in the East, you have Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, uh, Kemba Walker, Kawhi Leonard, and then Giannis, who is the captain as well. After that... It's going to shake out where the coaches uh, for each unit actually get to select the reserves, right? And, and there's 14, seven from each conference. So five starters, seven reserves, and that's how it shakes out. You look at the the voting, and for those of you who follow the Bucks and, and have maybe watched uh, more than your fair share of games, when the Bucks go to Madison Square Garden or they go to the Staples Center or these larger cities where the, the population is greater, there's a more diverse, probably more uh, a bigger international community, you see these these contingents of fans in especially in New York, this big Greek contingent of fans that always shows up and they, they don't necessarily have Bucks jerseys on, but they'll have a Greek flag. There's a big international following for Giannis. And and I think when when we chalk up the all-star voting, you just assume that there is a lot of international voting coming in for Giannis. And that is the case, but it also is pretty cool to see Giannis in the Eastern Conference receive the most fan votes at, at the first fan uh, position, but he also got the number one amount of votes from his peers, from other players. And you don't really know what players think of each other, right? Do they respect each other? Uh, Do they respect the game or are they petty, right? Is there drama between them? And and I think Giannis, for the most part, is is a pretty likable player. He received the most votes from his peers, right? From his former, or I should say, uh, contemporaries, his players that played around him, his teammates, his competitors, receiving the number one position in that as well. And then the media, 99 out of 100 votes going to Giannis. So there's only one vote that didn't go. Uh, and we, we obviously won't know who or who that vote went to. So his composite score is one. He was the number one vote receiver in the East, followed by Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, and, and go on down the list. It's pretty cool. It's not just that international vote. He is getting the respect of his, of his uh, peers and of the media. It's pretty cool. I, I don't think we should downplay this. I don't think we should skirt over this, even if you're not going to watch the NBA All-Star Game. And maybe All-Star Games aren't your thing, and, and that's fine. They certainly aren't for everyone. But you got to respect that the, the player who is on the Milwaukee Bucks right now, it's not just the case of Michael Red back in the early 2000s who got hot for a season and made an All-Star Game. This is a, a player who has not only respect in uh, in the fan base of the NBA, but for his players as well, his teammates, his competitors, and from the media. He's a really well-respected player. People enjoy watching him, as you heard Coach Budenholzer say when we opened the show. A really special player right now. Not just because he can shoot the lights out or just because he's he can dunk like crazy. Those are things that play into it. But people really enjoy watching Giannis. People really like Giannis. 
And and that is uh, all those things play into Giannis being the number one vote receiver in the Eastern Conference and uh, your all-star captain as well. So he's going to get to pick a team, which is kind of cool. This year, they're actually going to televise the draft. Last year, they didn't. And people wanted to know what the order was, who picked who, when. They're actually going to televise it this year, which... Could lead to a little bit of drama, who knows, but it's going to be great for fans, which I think is what the NBA All-Star Game is all about. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line. What I want to talk about, uh, I want to have a little fun today. It is Friday. I I want to have a conversation about All-Star Games because we have the NBA All-Star Game. We have the Pro Bowl. We kind of know how we feel about that. And maybe you're not a liar. Maybe you love the Pro Bowl. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you. There's obviously the NHL All-Star Game and the MLB All-Star Game, which has traditionally been the most respected All-Star Game. Do you watch these games? Do they interest you? I know we all get excited when a Brewer is named to the All-Star Game or when a Packer is named to the Pro Bowl because it's you want that recognition for your players and for your teams, right? But once the day actually comes and the game is actually played, are you watching? Do you care? And if so, why? And if not, why? I want to talk about this a little bit. We're going to have a little fun today here on the Wisco Sports Show as Giannis Antetokounmpo not only named an All-Star yet again, but receiving the most votes from fans, from players, from the media in the Eastern Conference, and he's going to pick his own team and be a captain Uh, in the upcoming NBA All-Star Game, which is really, really cool. And even if you're not about the pomp and circumstance of the All-Star Game, and that's what I want to get into coming up next, you got to respect what Giannis has done and the player that the Milwaukee Bucks selected and have stood by and now groomed into a a global superstar now, to be completely honest. So even if you're not about the pomp and circumstance of the All-Star Game or the the Pro Bowl or anything like that, you got to respect what Giannis has been doing. And it is a really cool story in Bucks fans and, and Wisconsin sports fans as a whole. Should be really excited because he's a pretty cool and pretty awesome guy to represent our state, as he talked about uh, when we opened the show once again. So I want to talk about the All-Star Game and the Pro Bowl and, and all this. Where do you fall on all of this? I'm intrigued. There's got to be some people that watch the Pro Bowl. If they got no viewers, they wouldn't play it. So I want to talk about all that coming up next. We'll continue the All-Star discussion here on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. I'm trying to do my best to represent uh, the city of Milwaukee, um, the Bucks organization, my teammates, uh, and the NBA. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY, and we are celebrating a little bit today. I'm having a good time. Hope you're enjoying your Friday so far. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in to the Wisco Sports Show. Giannis Antetokounmpo named an all-star yet again, but this time with a little bit extra. He's actually going to be a captain. So if you're just tuning in, Maybe you're not familiar with the NBA All-Star format, the way they've been doing things the last two years. They don't do East-West. They do the top 10 vote-getters are starters, quote-unquote starters, and the highest uh, vote-getter in each conference is a captain. So they first get to pick, uh, they get to draft their own teams. And it's a cool format. It made for a really competitive game in an All-Star sense last year. It came right down to the wire, and I think these players actually felt as though they had a little bit on the line. They were playing for a little bit of money, a little bit of pride, and it was a whole lot of fun. Maybe All-Star games are your thing, Maybe they're not. That's what I want to get into. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. You can also jump aboard on Twitter. Don't forget about Twitter. You can find me at Keystroke or Grant or tweet at the station at WKTY or both. Either way, I'm going to see it, and I'd love to have a conversation on air. I think the NBA, well, let me back up. The MLB All-Star Game in my lifetime and through my experience has been the most respected, the most reverent, if you will, All-Star Game because I think... It's the nature of the sport, right? In baseball, you can play all out and not really risk injury. In the Pro Bowl, if people are running around at full speed, people are going to get hurt. That's just the nature of the game. Baseball, injuries seem to occur more often when you slow down. 
And you don't do things exactly the way you're supposed to at full speed, right? You see people who who kind of get a halfway slide into second base. That's when you see players get hurt. So I think in the MLB, players can play to their fullest potential and play at full effort and still not risk injury. And that makes for the best game. And in the Pro Bowl, that's not the case. I can't really speak for the NHL. But people get hurt in the NHL, too. I'm not a huge hockey fan, so we should probably talk to Scrady about that one is who we should get in touch with. And the Pro Bowl people are going to get hurt. It's just the nature of the sport. I love the NBA All-Star Game. Not just to see if any Bucks make it. And, and obviously, I'm excited that Giannis is in once again. It's it's great for the city of Milwaukee. It's great for the small town organization in the Milwaukee Bucks. And you heard him talk. He, he wants to represent Wisconsin and represent Milwaukee in the NBA. Because he does get viewers around the world. He is a global superstar. The NBA is it in terms of basketball. You can't get any bigger. And Giannis knows that. Not only that, I'm excited to watch the actual game. I love the NBA All-Star Game and all the pomp and and circumstance that goes along with it because the NBA is the type of league that feeds a great All-Star Game, right? What's great about the NBA? What sets it apart? Big personalities like uh, Joel Embiid and Russell Westbrook and trash people who talk trash like Draymond Green, like Ennis Cantor. That's what makes it different. And due to the nature of basketball, you're not hidden behind a helmet and a face mask and shoulder pads. They're out in the open. Fans are sitting mere feet away. You can hear, you can see what they're saying and how they're interacting. It's reality TV crossed with sports. And that's not everyone's thing. I understand that. But what makes an NFL team great? Right? It's a system, a great coach, everybody fitting into a culture and knowing their role. It's not flashy, big personalities. Look at Antonio Brown. The Steelers were a mess last year in Le'Veon Bell. In the NBA, you can do it. You can have a little bit of that. You can have a little flair. Draymond Green has fit into the system that the Golden State Warriors have. And Russell Westbrook's personality has won him MVPs and averaged him a triple-double. And the Thunder have been to the NBA Finals. It's a different league. The emphasis is on superstars. It's not on the system. It's not on the league, the NFL and Roger Goodell. It's on Steph Curry and LeBron James. They are the moneymakers. That's where the NBA uh, is worth its salt. And it's a little bit different than the other leagues, right? The biggest brand in Major League Baseball might be the Yankees or the Dodgers. Not individual players. In the NBA, LeBron James is it. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant is it. Giannis now is it. And that bodes really well for a great entertaining all-star game. We get to watch these personalities interact with each other on a small court where you can see everything. They're not hidden behind a face mask or a shield like in hockey. There they are. It's a lot of fun to watch. I love it. Now, maybe All-Star Games aren't your thing. Maybe the NBA isn't your thing. Do you watch the Pro Bowl? Do you watch the NHL or the MLB All-Star Games? 608-796-2558. My, my just, I've always thought that the MLB All-Star Game is entertaining. This year, it was pretty fun to watch. It was just a bad look for the Brewers. right? Josh Hader had a terrible day on and off the field. Christian Yelich showed well. But the MLB All-Star Game, it's a slower-paced game. It's traditional. It's old-fashioned, just like the rest of the sport of baseball is. I think the NBA bodes really well to having a flashy, entertaining all-star game, even if they don't play defense. Who cares? They normally don't play that much defense as it is in a regular season game. Let this final score be 195 to 194. If they're competing at the end, I don't care what the score is. I think that's a big part of it. I love the NBA all-star game. The other, the other All-Star games, I, I, I don't really care. Let's talk about the Pro Bowl. It's coming up this weekend. Devontae Adams is the, the Pro Bowler for Green Bay, and there were some headlines. I shouldn't say headlines. There were clips and, and videos and pictures circling around social media yesterday and, and kind of the sports headlines of Devontae Adams throwing a ball like 60 yards in the air, and it, honestly, it did not excite me. Like we, we were watching yesterday. It was on in my house. 
uh, the, the dodgeball game and the skills competition. It just looked tacky. It just looked awkward. It looks like a bunch of grown men in backwards visors and sunglasses running around an obstacle course. It doesn't look like a professional sports league. It looks like something you'd see at the, at the YMCA or the Omni Center, right? That's what that looks like. And in the NBA, there's some of that, too. There's the skills competition and the three-point competition. I think the three-point competition is really fun. Shoot the bucket. It, it's not a gimmick. It, it's not a, a weird-looking obstacle course. It's, there's the bucket. Let's see who can make the most. I like that. I think that's entertaining. Now, the actual game of the Pro Bowl? Uh, on, does anybody watch it? Well, let's all be honest here. I'm a big NFL fan. We have a lot of listeners, obviously, who are big NFL fans. Nobody is organizing their Sunday to be able to watch the Pro Bowl. To watch the Pro Bowl. Is it even live or do they film it? Do they tape delay it? I mean, seriously. Nobody watches the Pro Bowl. And and I think it goes hand in hand with... In baseball, you can play full speed. And you can have a real game and not risk injury. In football, the big hits. That's what turns heads. You don't have that in the Pro Bowl. Big pancake blocks by offensive linemen. You don't have that. A quarterback getting leveled and still delivering a good throw. You're not going to have that because people are going to get hurt. And as soon as you uh, get to the point where uh, players are hitting each other and running full speed, well, then you're going to have injuries. And it's only a matter of time until someone blows out their knee or breaks their their collarbone in a Pro Bowl. Well, and then it's a problem. And then all those people who are saying, put flags on them. You know, let them, let them play. It's not a real game. Well, those people are going to get quiet real quick. It's just not a great situation. There's not an easy win for the NFL in the Pro Bowl. It's either a boring game or people are going to get hurt. There's no in-between. Same in the NHL. The MLB is a little bit different, right? And I actually think the MLB is a good amount of fun because you can mix and match players. How cool is it to be able to pitch some of the best pitchers in the sixth inning? That's my favorite part is watching the best uh, starting arms stack for a couple innings and then the best bullpen arms and watching hitters actually trying to get a handle on these, these pitchers. Watching a bunch of Josh Haters and Jeremy Jefferses come in and, and try to pitch... Uh, in the, whatever, the fifth inning, the sixth inning, whenever they're called in. I think it's kind of cool. I have no interest in the Pro Bowl. I don't watch the NHL. Even if I did, I would not watch the All-Star game. I don't care. Nobody nobody knows the names of all these players like you do in the Pro Bowl or in Major League Baseball, to some extent, or in the, the NBA. I think the NBA is a lot of fun. The All-Star game actually plays to the strength of the league, which is big personalities, flashy, long three-point shots, crazy dunks, crazy layup finishes. Maybe a little bit of drama out on the court between players like a, like a Russell Westbrook or a Draymond Green or a Joel Embiid. Stuff like that. You're not going to get that in the, in the Pro Bowl. You're not going to get that in the MLB All-Star Game. That's something you can only get in the NBA All-Star Game. And it's so much fun, I think. And a side note, Giannis gets to pick a team, which is going to be pretty entertaining. Who knows what combination of players, what position do certain players are going to play. Like, maybe Giannis gets to play point guard for a while. Then he'll drop down into center, maybe play the wing. How cool is it to be able to think of James Harden and Giannis on the same team? Or Kevin Durant and Giannis on the same team? That's cool. I'm about that. That's entertaining. The Pro Bowl's not entertaining. No one gives a damn. <laughs> Just my thought. 608-796-2558. We're talking the all-star games of all the leagues. I think the NBA is the best. But you can certainly make a case for the MLB if you're a little bit more traditional. The NBA is, I like to think of it as reality TV and sports mixed into one. And that plays to some crowds, and it doesn't play to some crowds. I think the, the crowd that would hate the NBA All-Star Game would love the MLB All-Star Game. But I don't think anybody likes the Pro Bowl. That's the conclusion that we're coming to. 608-796-2558 if you want to chime in. Uh, a couple of things I want to get to with the Brewers today as we kind of transition away from the Bucks and Giannis being named as an All-Star captain. 
and is uh, an all-star period uh, now for a couple of straight years. It's big It's big time for the Bucks, and it's big for the city of Milwaukee. I also want to talk a little bit of Brewers. I've found myself the last couple of weeks as we kind of plow through the MLB offseason just longing for baseball, just wanting to talk about the Brewers, just wanting to think about the Brewers and speculate and be interested about the Brewers. So two things I want to cover today. Uh, Vegas, specifically Bravada and Odd Shark, came out with their MLB projected win totals. I'm not going to say the Brewers are being disrespected because Vegas knows what it's doing, and I, and I definitely see their logic, but their win total is not very high, especially compared to where they were last year. I want to talk about that, whether you think it's fair where Vegas has the Brewers. Not a, nearly as many wins as they had last year. And also, this day is big. Uh, a couple of days ago, I believe, it was it Monday or Tuesday? It was the one-year anniversary of the firing of Jason Kidd, which is a tremendous holiday which should be celebrated by all Bucks fans. This, for the Milwaukee Brewers, a year ago, uh, something big happened, and it should be considered a, a holiday, a celebration for all Brewers as well. So I want to transition to Brewers Talk coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in and listening on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. You can always stream WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app as well. Lots of ways to listen, and I appreciate you listening. Hope you're having a good night. I am your host, Grant Bills. We were just talking a little Bucks, talking a little NBA All-Star game. It's a big deal that Giannis has been named an All-Star. You don't get that very often, especially in a small market like Milwaukee in a league like the NBA. Newsflash. Do you see the, did you see the temps for next week? No millionaire NBA player wants to live in that if they don't have to. And Giannis is a a special player and something really cool that Milwaukee can hang their hat on, literally, because he's probably about as tall as a coat rack uh, at about seven feet tall. So it's a big deal. Uh, that being said, it is also a big deal that the Milwaukee Brewers were one game away from the World Series last year. And I don't know about you. Maybe it's this weather. But I found myself just watching Brewers highlights from last year. Uh, just reading about the Brewers a lot more than maybe I would in your typical offseason, at least in the last five or six years, because they have yet to have a really exciting offseason. Last year, obviously, they signed Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, traded for Yelich, I should say. And that was exciting, but it was not excitement from the previous year. It was excitement on what could come. It's a combination of both this offseason, and it's been a really fun combination. We have high expectations. We have excitement for this Brewers team, but Las Vegas is saying otherwise I'm not saying that Vegas is talking down to the Brewers. I, I think I know where their logic is coming from in this over-under on the, the season win totals. I want to get into this. 608-796-2558. I heard Bill Michaels talking about this earlier. I'm sure Dave and Scrady were talking about it this morning. I actually... Don't tell Dave. Don't tell Scrady. I didn't get up early enough to listen this morning. <laughs> so my bad. Maybe they talked about it. They definitely should have. Vegas knows what it's talking about. There's the old saying. Well, there's a lot of sayings, but... That Vegas always knows. Vegas knows everything. Vegas typically isn't wrong. Otherwise, they would be losing money and Vegas wouldn't exist. So their over-under for the Milwaukee Brewers win total in 2019 is 84.5. And you might say that sounds pretty good. But maybe you have also forgotten that the Brewers won 96 games last year. That's a that's a, subtract about a dozen wins off of that. That's a, a reasonable step back. But then again, 96 total wins is just ridiculous. There's not a lot of teams who do that. Uh, the Brewers in 2012, 2011 got close to that. I believe, I don't remember if they won 100 games or not. Sue me for not knowing. Uh, it does not happen often, especially for a team, a small market team like the Brewers. 
So Vegas projecting them a little bit. It's plus 100 for the over, minus 130 for the under. Excuse me, backwards. Minus 130 for the over, plus 100 for the under for the Brewers subtracting about 12 wins from their 2018 total. Is it disrespectful to the Brewers? I, I don't know. Vegas has no interest in giving respect or, or giving a, a fair judgment to any team. They're just going to call it like they see it because that's how they make money. Vegas makes a lot of money and Vegas knows just about everything. I think this win total and the subtracting of about a dozen wins projected by Vegas is is a couple of factors. It, the number one factor is the NL Central has gotten exponentially better over the course of this offseason. Now, this has been a pretty disappointing hot stove time of the year. And I feel like that's become a trend the last couple of years. But one place and one group of teams that have been active is the NL Central. The Cardinals, the Reds especially, those two teams are going to get a lot better. The Pirates are just, as you look through the NL Central, let's start with the Cubs and the Pirates. The Cubs are just really good. They don't really need to add anyone to get much better. They're a terrific team, especially if you Darvish can come around and be a pitcher again. Uh, the same with Chatwood. They don't need to get much better. They have a tremendous roster. The, the the Pirates, the last couple of years, have just been a pain in the Brewers' ass, no matter no matter where they stand in the standings. I remember when I was little, like the Brewers versus the Pirates was a it was a gimme. The Pirates could not beat the Brewers, and that's kind of changed the last couple of years. You think back the week before this year's All Star break, the Pirates just gave up gave the Brewers a roundhouse kick to the groin on the way in uh to the to the break in the middle of the summer and really kind of changed the dynamics of their season, at least for the next couple of weeks. The Pirates have just been a thorn in the Brewers' side, whether they're contending or not. So those two teams are always going to be there. But then you have the Cardinals and you have the Reds. Now, the Reds, I can't, I just want the Reds to be bad. First of all, the Reds have made a flurry of moves over the course of this offseason. They traded for Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp. I don't know if Matt Kemp is going to perform at the level he did last year if he's on on his way out. Who knows? Either way, they're trading for an uh, an established star player. Not a prospect, not a not a questionable player, but a guy who's established in both Yasiel Puig and Kemp. And I think Puig is a personality. He's just going to juice up the excitement and juice up the atmosphere around Great American Ballpark. And then they also traded for Sonny Gray and avoided arbitration with Scooter Jeanette. So he's going to be there after a career year last year. And to be honest, for as many as Brewer games, Brewer Reds games as I watched, they... The Reds seem to compete well with the Brewers. Scott Schebler always seemed to play well. Michael Lorenzen not only pitching, but hitting. I mean, they just had a couple of dudes who played well, especially Scooter Jeanette, and they only added to that strong roster this offseason. And then the Cardinals are the Cardinals. They are always good. Even when they're having a down year, they're still good. They're a tremendous organization that's well-run, and they always have good talent surrounding Yadier Molina, and they're going to get a bunch of their starting pitchers back healthy this year, like Adam Wainwright. And, oh yeah, they added Paul Goldschmidt, who's always been a Brewer killer, in uh, as a Diamondback. And they they shirt up their bullpen with An- Andrew Miller. I mean, they, they made a lot of acquisitions. Both of those teams did, the Cardinals and the Reds. The Pirates are always a thorn in the Brewers' side. And the Cubs are the Cubs. And I think they are going to get a little be- bit better than they were last year. And that's not hating on the Cubs. They won 95 games last year. The Cubs had a tremendous season last year. And, and people acted like the sky was falling at Wrigley. That's not the case. For For a little bit of perspective... Vegas last year, after winning 95 games, has the Cubs also falling back to 88 and a half wins. The Cincinnati Reds, on the other hand, who won 67 games last year, are projected to now get up to 77 and a half wins. So still not a ton. I would have thought that the Cincinnati Reds would be projected a couple of more wins. Pittsburgh Pirates are expected to go down from 82 to 77. And then the St. Louis Cardinals are actually, and it's kind of funny, projected to go from 88 to 88 and a half wins. So the division around the Brewers has gotten much better, and I think in some of these over-under, these win projections, 
Vegas is taking into account that the Brewers are going to beat up on the Reds and the Reds are going to beat up on the Cardinals and and round and round it goes, right? These teams are going to beat up on each other. There's a lot of divisional games, a hefty portion of any team's schedule in the MLB is made up of division opponents. The Brewers are going to play the Reds a lot. They're going to play the Pirates and the Cubs and the Cardinals a lot. And even though all of these teams, I think the Brewers have a great roster. I think there's some question marks, and we'll get to that. I think the Cubs have a great roster. And I think the Cardinals are just a great organization who added talent. And the Reds just juiced up with energetic, talented players. All of these teams are getting better, but I don't think the the win total projection from Vegas represents that because I think Vegas knows that all these teams are going to beat up on each other because divisional play is a huge portion of every Major League Baseball team's schedule. That being said, you don't necessarily need, if you're the Brewers, you might not need to win 96 games to win the division. The Cubs might not need to win 95 games. Maybe 89 wins gets it done. Maybe 90 wins gets it done. In a really uh, jam-packed, log-jammed division with a, a bunch of teams who seem to be on equal playing ground. I mean, the Brewers got hot at the right time last year. I don't know if talent-wise they're on the same level as the Cubs, but they're pretty similar. And I think the Cardinals, just by nature of being the Cardinals and shoring up their bullpen and adding a slugger first baseman in the middle of their order, they're going to be up on the level of those teams. And the Cubs, like I said, the Cubs are the Cubs, and the Pirates just always compete. I think Clint Hurdle does a really good job. I don't think the winner of the NL Central this year is going to win 96, 97, 98 games. I just don't think that's how it's going to shake out. There's too many tough divisional games. The NL Central is shaping up to be one of the better divisions in baseball. And it's interesting because outside of Chicago, it's some of the smallest markets in baseball, in Cincinnati, in St. Louis, in Pittsburgh, in Milwaukee, especially with Milwaukee. And I think oh, I think Vegas is taking that into account. So before you get caught up into, well, Vegas is disrespecting the Brewers, what's new? Well, some there is times to play the victim as a small market Milwaukee Brewers team. And trust me, I play the victim a lot. This is not an, an instance to do so. We were talking yesterday about these these proposed rule changes in the MLB. That's a time to play victim a little bit when it comes to free agent acquisitions and having to trade for rentals and and the trade deadline. That's a time to play victim, and we'll do that plenty next summer. This is not a time to to play small market victim. It's not becoming to play the victim all of the time. You got to pick your spots. That's that's how it works. You got to pick your spots when you play victim. When you play the small team, the small market card, it needs to be played well uh, and it needs to be played strategically. And I don't think this is the time to do that because I think Vegas recognizes how good the Brewers are and by comparison, how good the rest of their division is as well. There are some question marks with this Brewers team. And I think this is what Vegas is seeing as well. Is this a, a Brewers team that, yeah, is pretty good? but a team that just got hot at the right time last year. And look, when you're referring to the 2018 Brewers as a team who got hot at the right time, that's not a detriment. That's not an insult. When you think of the Cardinals in 2011, when David Freeze just went, (laughs) he went Iron Man, and he was hotter than any human being I've ever seen with a bat and power that team to a World Series. That doesn't diminish what the Cardinals did. They just got really hot at the right time. So what Christian Yelich did, that's what pitchers like Wade Miley and Yolish Shasin and, oh my God, Corey Knebel... But Vegas is probably looking at this Brewers team and saying, all right, if Christian Yelich regresses to the mean just a little bit and he doesn't get blazing hot at the right time, and Yoli Shasin, let's face it, he had a great year last year, but that's probably not what he is. He had a great year. He's probably going to regress a little bit, and we'll see what Corey Knebel does. If the Brewers bring back Wade Miley, which I, I, I think they will, will he pitch as well? Will Jeremy Jeffers have a great of a season and Josh Hader have a great of a season? There's a lot of question marks of guys who had great years last year, possibly career years, and that doesn't diminish what they did last year or what the Brewers did last year. But by no means is it a given that Yoli Shasin is going to have another great year this year like he did last year or Brent Suter 
And there's no given that Jimmy Nelson is going to come back and be anything but a shell of his former self before this injury. There's a lot of question marks. And the Brewers could come out and they could answer all those questions and then some and win the division in convincing fashion this year again. They could. That could absolutely happen. I'm not denying that out of the realm of possibility. But I think the national media, specifically Vegas in this instance, looks at this Brewers team and sees a lot of question marks. Saw Sees a lot of guys last year who proved their worth, who played really well, and now we're saying, could they do it again? Jesus Aguilar is another great example. A dude who, yeah, we love in Milwaukee, and, and he's kind of an underdog. A dude who was cut off a couple of teams and, and was placed on waivers by a team like Cleveland. And he had a great year, but is that Jesus Aguilar? throughout his career, or is that one blip on the radar? I think the national media, in in this instance, like I said, Vegas, is is seeing those question marks and and really questioning whether or not the Brewers can back up a 96-win season with anything more or less than 84.5 wins, where the over-under is set for next year. It's interesting. It'll be interesting to follow. I think the Brewers left some wins on the table last year, for sure, but they also got hot, and they won some games that they probably shouldn't have. And that's the nature of sports, and that's the nature of betting on sports with Vegas, and that's why I'm not laying a penny down. No, sir. 608-796-2558. We're talking Brewers. And the perception of the Brewers, and, and where are they going in 2019? Assuming they don't make any more signings, like I said, I kind of think they'll bring Wade Miley back, possibly Mike Moustakis as well. Where are the Brewers going? I've found myself thinking about this a lot. I'm very excited for Brewers baseball. I think more so than any other upcoming season in my lifetime. And I'm excited to see what they do. I'm excited for pitchers and catchers report in spring training. But there's also a lot of question marks, and I think Vegas is highlighting that in its over-under projection for the Brewers for 2019. Uh, This is a big day, by the way, Brewers fans. I was celebrating on uh, Monday or Tuesday because it was the one-year anniversary of Jason Kidd being fired, and it should be a day that Bucks fans rejoice and bookmark on their calendars forever because it was by far the best decision the Bucks have ever made in their franchise history. Right now, they're 34-12, and 35-12. and 12. Yeah, I think it was the right move. Well, a year ago, the Brewers did something very similar. A year ago today, on January 25th, I remember where I was sitting. I remember what I was doing when this news broke. I want to talk about that because Brewers fans should be celebrating today like it is a national holiday or at least a a Milwaukee, Wisconsin holiday. Think of it that that way. We'll talk about that coming up next as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show for the week here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Hope your Friday is going well. I'm looking forward to this weekend as cold as it is going to be. This week's just been kind of dragging. And I've found myself daydreaming quite a bit. I, this morning I was doing it. I was on my phone. I was watching 2018 Brewers highlights. You know, a couple good moments. The Jonathan Scope Grand Slam and the Jesus Aguilar break up the no-hitter and then hit the walk-off against the Cardinals. They're just a lot of fun moments. And part of that is there's so many games. And baseball gives us that opportunity to have all those moments over the course of a summer. I found myself just... Kind of longing for warmer times, sunnier times where I can just sit and watch the Brewers. Summer shandy. Life is simpler. You know, stuff like that. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. You got any last-minute thoughts? Before we say goodbye for the weekend, uh, we were just talking and looking forward to 2019 and what possibly the uh, Brewers' total for wins could be. Now, last year, the Brewers won 96 games, right? We all remember that. Vegas has set the over-under at 84.5, and we were kind of talking about how I think that's actually pretty fair, given the fact that there's a lot of question marks with this Brewers team. Yoli Shasin, Jesus Aguilar, Josh Hader, Christian Yelich, a lot of guys who had career type of years, right? But I look at all those guys and say, you've done it once, that's really it, I, I, I can't really be for sure if you're going to do it again. And maybe they will, I'm not saying they won't, but, but Jesus Aguilar is kind of a wild card. Anyone can have one great year. 
right? Yolish Yassin, that was a career type of year, and maybe it was the way the Brewers used him. Maybe it was Miller Park. Maybe it was something in the air last summer. I don't know. But there are some question marks. It's not a given that Yolish Yassin is going to back up this year with the same numbers, and Jesus Aguilar is going to hit that many home runs, and, and Christian Yelich is going to get hot in August and, and power the team into the playoffs again. That's None of that is a given, and I think that plays into the 84.5 over-under, much like the strengthening of the rest of the division does as well. The Cubs uh, are great. The Cardinals got a lot better. They added bullpen help and Andrew Miller, and they added their first baseman, Paul Goldschmidt. The Reds kept Scooter Jeanette. They added Sonny Gray, and they traded for Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp. They said, screw it, we're done being bad. We want to be good again. And we're looking forward to 2019, or I should say specifically this summer, maybe what that could look like for the Brewers. But it is time as well to look back. A year ago today, January 21st, 2018, I remember this very clearly for the rest of my life, was the day, and it should be treated like a holiday, uh, that the Brewers acquired both Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain, one through a trade, obviously, and one through free agency. It was pretty it was pretty cool. We don't really have blockbuster days like that as a small market team. It doesn't really happen a lot. Christian Yelich being in the trade with Lewis Brinson and a couple other prospects as well, and Lorenzo Cain, five-year, $80 million deal, and part of what made such... Uh, such excitement around these acquisitions is both players are under club control, Lorenzo Cain for five years, and Christian Yelich four with a fifth-year club option. So this wasn't just a rental. It didn't feel like, man, you gave up a lot, and you know we got we to gotta win soon. There's a window that was established. Next five years, we plan on being pretty okay because we're going to have these two players. It was a pretty exciting night. I will always remember where I was. I was actually sitting, I was sitting on the floor. I believe it was a Thursday night, if I remember correctly. We don't have class on Fridays. We were living it up. We are playing Call of Duty. We're drinking a couple of beers, and I remember sitting on the floor, because we have multiple TVs. You know, you don't have room for more than one TV on the TV stand, so you move to the floor. I'm sitting on the floor, and I'm, I'm going through Twitter in between Call of Duty matches. God, I sound lame. The Brewers did what? They, they traded who for who? And I'm, you know, and all of a sudden, all right, we got to stop. I got I to gotta read. I got to get caught up on what's going on. And then just a little while later, the Brewers got who? They brought back Lorenzo Cain? They spent how much money? Let's go. You know, it was exciting. I'll always remember where I was and what I was doing. And my roommates, who aren't huge Brewer fans at the time, I'm trying to explain, this is big. Brewers never pay this much money. The Brewers never make a trade like this. It was exciting. Back a year ago today, I believe it was a Thursday night. I don't know how calendars work. The 25th is a Friday this year, so it not it a, a day before the previous year? Wouldn't it be a Thursday night last year? That's how I remember it. Maybe I was wrong. Uh, but just the quotes from David Stearns, and immediately after that move, and I remember this very clearly as well. The Brewers went from, you like David Stearns, you think he's making good moves, the franchise is on track to get better. It's not, we're not going to remain in the cellar for much longer. We, we like what David Stearns is doing. It went from that to, holy cats, here we go. But when's opening day? When do pitchers and catchers report? I, when can we watch at spring training? When's Brewers on deck? We got to get tickets because we want to meet these new acquisitions. We want to hear David Stearns and Mark Adonacio and, and the whole crew, Craig Council. We want to we be a part of this now because the Brewers are all of a sudden exciting. And it's amazing how just a little bit of money, and, and I say a little bit, you know, relatively because it was an $80 million contract, how one contract or one trade can really change the perspective and the optics and the excitement surrounding a team. Doesn't happen very often when the Brewers not only make one huge acquisition over the offseason, because that doesn't happen very often, but never does it happen where they make two in the same night. It's really cool. And it really jump started the excitement around this team. Miller Park felt different. Brewers on deck felt different. Now it's selling out and people are wanting to know. So who's going to be signing autographs? Who's going to be doing this? It's a thing now. It never used to be a thing. 
There's a lot of excitement swirling around this Brewers team right now, and it's amazing what one little phone call in a trade and one little phone call and $80 million can do. And when you say it like that, well, yeah, $80 million can do a lot of things, I guess. For a small market team like the Brewers, it can really jumpstart and energize a franchise. And I think that not only the the players are great, don't get me wrong. Obviously, Lorenzo Cain, you saw his value in center field and in some clutch hitting situations. And Christian Yelich won MVP. I mean, what more can you say? And he won MVP by basically getting as hot as humanly possible at exactly the right time and forcing MVP voters. A lot of them probably already had their mind made up because the conversation was pretty much it's Javier Baez. And Christian Yelich said, I am going to give you no choice but to vote for me because that's how hot he got. And I liked Javier Baez. At the time, we were talking about this debate here on the Wisco Sports Show. I was like... It's it's close. It's close. You know, Javier Baez, that we thought it was him. And Christian Yelich just gave nobody a choice. He got so hot that he forced people to vote MVP for him. And we all know the impact that those two players had in the season, right? And in the postseason as well. But it's crazy what just a little bit of money spent on a player can do. And just a little bit of activity by a general manager to improve the ball club can do. And I look at the Twins, right? When was the last time the Twins did something like that? Because they bought Target Field with the impression and with the understanding that, well, we'll pony up and and taxpayers in the city will give you this new ballpark. But you got to put a product on the field. And not just, you know, trying to find some gems in the minor system. Go get some talent. Go get bona fide players. That's what the Brewers did last year. And that's not a given in smaller markets. We've seen the the Twins for the last couple of years. Honestly, most of my lifetime, after Justin Morneau and Joe Maurer, when was the last time they acquired a blockbuster player? Stuff like that. We, we can't take that for granted. And it really energized this franchise. It really energized this fan base to when's opening day. Because I cannot wait to see Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain in, in blue and yellow. Or in blue and maize or whatever jersey they're wearing, right? That's what gets a franchise going. I don't know if Yelich is going to back up this year with the kind of year he had last year. If that's the case, I can't wait. Because how much fun is that going to be? Holy smokes. I don't know if Lorenzo Cain is for his entire five years of his contract going to play at a high level. He's getting up there in age. But just the excitement and the energy that was injected into Milwaukee and this fan base. Here it is. January 25th, 2019. We're not talking about the Packers. We're not talking about their coaching tree and who they've added. We're not looking forward to the draft. We're talking about the Milwaukee Brewers. Weeks before pitchers and catchers report and months before the start of the season. That doesn't just happen. Executives, general managers, coaches have to go out and actively try to improve the team. And I got to give David Stearns credit. I got to give Adonacio credit for saying, we can't be bad forever. Let's get after this. And I think we see with the Cincinnati Reds just a little bit of following that blueprint. I don't know exactly how it's all going to work. I don't know where everybody's going to play. Let's just go get talent. Let's get good players and everything will work itself out. That's what happened with the Brewers last year. I think that's what the Cubs are trying to do. And I think a little bit that's what the Cardinals are doing as well. They like what they have. They like their tradition, but you just need players. You need great players. And they went and got Paul Goldschmidt. I I think it's a a really fascinating comparison. Cubs are already good. Cubs already have a ton of talent, so that's a little bit different. They're off to the side. I look back last year this time, January 25th, 2018. Remember that day very fondly as hopefully the move in the evening and the transactions that spurred a couple of years of really good baseball and really entertaining and competitive baseball in Milwaukee. That's how I hope it shakes out. I hope it wasn't just a flash in the pan last year. But as we talked about, and I think as Vegas is drawing attention to, there are some question marks. Players who had a great year last year, and that doesn't diminish last year, but are they going to be able to replicate it with any sense of not just being a shell of what they did last year? 
Can Yolisha Seen be another great starter for a year? Jesus Aguilar, can he hit the ball like he did last year? Corey Knable and Josh Hader, can that bullpen keep up this pace? It's a lot of question marks. But one thing remains certain. That move, those two moves specifically last January, energized and injected a whole lot of fun and energy into this Milwaukee Brewers team. And hopefully that's not going anywhere here in the next year or two or three. I'm excited. I can't wait to talk more Brewers, but we're out of time. So everybody have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in. I really, really appreciate all the interaction, all the listeners we get. I can't wait to be back. Same time, same place on Monday. I'll talk to you then.